Thank you for listening to Ivy Podcast, where we feature weekly leadership conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Now, here is your host, Angela Alberti. Hello, Ivy Podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Angela Alberti. If you've listened in on my podcast before, then you know I'm all about speaking with professionals in this very interesting world of human capital, talent delivery, staffing, and recruiting, the people that put the people to work every single day. And that's exactly who I have the privilege and honor to sit down and talk with today. Teresa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Angela, first of all, thank you very much for having me on your show. And I would like to say hello to all of your guests and all of your people, your fellow listeners. I am um, Teresa Sloan and I own a, a company called Sloan Staffing Solutions. We are a boutique staffing firm located between Boston and New York City on Connecticut River. And I have been staffing within the space, um, IT, telecom, finance, and life sciences for over 20 years. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. It is, it's an, it's an honor to be able to sit down with you as well, Teresa. I'm really excited for our listeners to tune into today's show. There's a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom, and a lot of feedback that they're going to certainly get as it relates to the world of staffing, speaking, entrepreneurship, you know, uh, rapidly growing industries. I think we're going to try to encompass it all over the board. But before we get into the good stuff, I'd, I'd like to just uh, give the audience a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Can you give us a career timeline of uh, the 20-year scope of, of dedication that you've given to this industry? Well, I'll tell you a bittersweet story about um, the inception of Sloan Staffing Solutions. Right. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, when my son was 16 years old um, and a, a learning, an early driver, um, he was in a head-on collision and he con- collided with what they call the Connecticut Light and Power Trucks. So those, those big trucks with the big cherry picker booms on them. And he had this little old tiny first car pickup truck. And again, he collided head on. And unfortunately, uh, or fortunately at the scene, one of the neighbors happened to be a priest. And it was unbeknownst to us at the time, but he had gone out to help my son, Matthew, um, who had, his head had gone through the windshield. And this gentleman was actually a godsend, had held my son's head so he wouldn't pull it back through the window and slice his neck and life star came they were able to take him he ended up at one of the yale new haven facilities and they told me that he might not make it and that he did but when i sat in the lunchroom sitting there obviously numb um i had been working and recruiting for other organizations and i sat there and i literally played prayed to god you've got to give me strength to do something because i have to nurture my son oh you're gonna make me cry i have to um i was a single mom yeah and i have to now i know that i know my son's gonna make it but 
I need to be creative. And so I sat there with a napkin in this um, cafeteria and I drew out these letters, SSS, that wrapped around one another. And I said, that's it, Sloan Staffing Solutions. And uh, needless to say, at the time my son was in what they said would be a five hour surgery, it turned out to be a 12 hour surgery. And I was able to hug him. He graduated high school that year. And um, if that young man can have the strength to live and soar, then I was damn sure I was gonna do it with him. And so here I am. Wow, incredible. I mean, talk about taking a moment of adversity and, and bringing birth to a new form of, of business life and, and been business venture for you. And it really inspired me, especially when we were talking through, you know, our initial call and on today's episode. And uh, I'd, I'd like to get your feedback. I mean, you've seen this, it, it happened several years ago, decades ago, even what the experience has been like and how staffing has evolved since you've started it. It's rapidly growing, but can you give us a little bit of, I guess, your feedback on the timeline that staffing the industry was when you started versus where it is now? Right. So when I started, it was Y2K. So everybody thought the world was going to end. And <laughs> so at the time I was hiring, um, assisting a, an organization actually out of Boston. Um, and we were hiring people from all around the world, uh, you know, India, United States to, you know, technical people like C++, um, Java developers, Java architects to come on and help, you know, with this anticipated crash of all of these computers. And so right. that's where I started in the archaic Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Um, and, you know, it's, it's so interesting to hear how it's evolved, but how much in demand there is for those exact roles that you started within. Um, but let's go back to the industries that you service. Uh, life sciences, telecom, IT, extremely rapidly growing industries, probably the most in demand that we can see out there outside of maybe healthcare because of the onset of the pandemic, right? Um, but what's some feedback or some advice that you think think um, is unique to these industries that you're servicing in terms of the candidate profiles, that's kind of second to none outside of the other industries that maybe, you know, you're typically recruiting for. You mean as far as the candidates profile, the things that companies and organizations exactly. are looking candidates for? candidates profile. Okay. So it's interesting, you know, back in the day, a lot of organizations were looking for the PhDs and the bachelors of science and all of that. I don't see that as much anymore, especially mm -hmm. the higher education aspects. Mm -hmm. um, what I do see is they're looking for, you know, three to five years of experience, but some organizations now are even looking at interns, people that can come on board strictly out of college and do some internship. But I'm seeing a big influx of, um, in the telecom side, project managers, implementation, um, um, business analysts. And then on the life sciences side, it's very heavy in the PGX and CGX space. And what that means is the pharmacogenomic space and the cancer genomic space. And what that means is what they do is a lot of personalized medicine. So they do a lot of the DNA testing to be able to better work closely with your doctor, your primary care provider, and the um, the drug discovery companies to tailor drugs specifically towards 
whatever your, your um, challenges are, whether it's cancer, whether it's mental health, whether it's women's health. And so they work in tandem together. And so that's the space that I'm staffing in now, as well as the telecom space. And for that, they're looking for very um, seasoned sales representatives that have books of business, but we're currently hiring across the United States for very different labs, many wow. labs, many opportunities, yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing to me to just hear your story and knowing that you've had a transition or pivot into other industries. Maybe it's a cause of the demand. You know, you're you're pretty close to what is considered the life sciences capital of the world right around the, the Boston area. Um, and, and also through that, you know, just seeing what clients are asking for. But if, from the perspective of recruiting. Um, you've clearly become an SME, right? A subject matter expert within the different verticals that you're servicing. What advice would you give to other recruiters that are potentially tuning in today's show and looking to expand or embark out into an in-demand industry, but they don't know anything about it? How do they become that expert or what's some advice that you would give to them? I think the one advice I would be is if you could partner with someone who has knowledge in the industry that could mentor you, mm -hmm. um, if you could listen into a lot of their calls, whether they're client calls or whether they're candidate calls, to better articulate and understand the verbiage and the communication skills, uh, um, honing in on the candidate skill sets, their background, but more importantly, listening to what they don't want. So if you can better understand what a candidate doesn't want or a client doesn't want in a candidate and vice versa, um, that's, that's huge because as a recruiter, you don't want to just throw a resume at, 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 a, at a client. You want to make sure that you understand the background. And it truly is... Um, it truly is matchmaking. You want to make sure that the skill sets align, that the personalities align, and that the culture, the culture is the big thing right now in industries. They, clients and candidates want to make sure that they're a culturally sound fit. So that we're somewhere where they can grow and they can expand. And again, back to the leadership and the mentoring aspects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and your, your response is so tied into to some of the more important and critical fundamental aspects of being a solid and a good recruiter. Um, but tying that to learning the vernacular, getting a mentor that can show you the ropes, those are all super critical elements of honing in on a new industry, um, which I think is great. But one of the things that I definitely want to let the audience know about is also your background within speaking and speaking engagements. I mean, you're tra constantly traveling. Can you tell us a little bit about your specialties and your expertise uh, within this speaking world, which you're also doing along with running a staffing company? So early on in my career, when I had Forum Sloan Staffing Solutions, um, I was able to be a guest speaker of both Yale New Haven graduating class and the Harvard graduating class in Boston. Wow. And it was quite an experience, to be honest with you, because these were PhD graduates that literally had been books down, heads down um, in their academia for several years, as you can imagine. So coming out of that and entering the quote unquote real world um, and try to find a job, they were seriously clueless. So these forms were really cool. They were like horseshoe shaped and I'd be up in the podium and I would be talking to them, but they literally had no idea how to segue from academia into again, the real world. 
And so I would talk to them and we would discuss, you know, challenges and opportunities. But my biggest advice to them was leave your ego at the door. Mm -hmm. And they all sat there for a little bit. And at at the end, it's hard to say in front of a group of like Ivy League graduates, right? Yeah, no, but it's true because a lot of them. And I shouldn't say it's not a derogatory thing, but you know, many people you go to school and you're you're all that and you're graduating with you know yeah, it's prestige, prestige. It of is, course. but but you still have to leave your ego at the door when you're going mm-hmm. out of the university and in for job interviews, and just be real, just be real. Wow, wow, that's fantastic, and that, and that's some great advice. So a lot of what your speaking engagements then have been honed in around is is for the career growth um, and and the aspect of how to go out into the job market and how to make yourself a viable candidate. Um, Is there any advice that you would be giving to somebody that maybe is, you know, the Gen Z or listening in on today's call that is really looking to embark into the workplace, especially, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier or had discussed is it's so easy to find jobs right now. I mean, it's so easy for somebody to go online and find a plethora of opportunities in a matter of seconds by just punching in some keywords into their browser on their phone. Um, How do you cut from all the noise and really, you know, what are some of those steps that you can do to go out and get in front of really good companies? I would do research. I would okay. go on to LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a very good platform. It's been very successful for myself for the networking capabilities. But I would give some serious thought as to the type of industry that you want to go into. I would assume that the candidate would already know. And then I would go on to um, Google or LinkedIn and I would um, key in some different companies' name under the trade. So if it's telecom, the big telecom companies will come up. If it's life sciences, the big life sciences companies will come up. And then I would break it down and do a little more research upon the organizations. Are they a startup? Have they been in the industry for a long time? Are they funded? Are they not funded? Um, And then then beyond deeper than that, look at the profiles of some of the people that work in the industry and maybe reach out to some of the people that are currently employed. They're in a position that you're looking to be into and see if you can connect with them and network with them to get a better idea of of what they feel of the of the company that they're working for. Many of the candidates I place, I suggest that to them. I will actually give them names of some of the people that are currently working in the organizations and say, feel free to reach out to them. And most of the people I have put together have been very um, helpful and respectful of one another. Wow, yeah, absolutely. What's some solid, solid advice without a doubt. Um, what about, you know, your take on, uh, and this is something that honestly, I'm selfishly asking because I admire you from it, you know, you as a female, as a woman within a space, starting your own company, you know, doing that through the bout of adversity with what happened with your son and really blossoming me, blossoming that into something that is a great form of living for you and your family, single-handedly doing that. Um, but uh, you know, some of the, the feedback that you can give us as being a female entrepreneur, if you could tell yourself 20 years for, uh, ago, hey, Teresa, make sure you do X, Y, and Z. These were the mistakes that I made. You want to try to avoid them. What would, what would you say to yourself? Break the glass. At this, break the glass. There you go. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> break the glass. There is no glass ceiling. Yeah. 
bring a hammer with you because there's a lot more out there. You Isn't know? that amazing how uh, sometimes the saying is we are on our own worst enemy. And I feel like sometimes as a, as a female, we we're kind of inundated with what is this imposter syndrome? Like, am I supposed to be here? What am I doing? Like, am I qualified for this? There's this constant questioning that we could have of ourselves, but you're so true. Just go above and beyond it and, and make yourself limitless in that aspect. I think limitless is it, but you know, and even myself, there's times where I doubt myself, I doubt my capabilities, you know, and am I doing enough, you know, and, but for me, I do what I do to make a difference. And as long as I leave a footprint in my departure, whenever that is, however that is, if I've made a difference in one person's life, I really mean this, it's the world to me. And, and by by being in the staffing industry, I make a difference between, I, I find candidates that really needed the job and they love it. And I find clients that really appreciate the candidates that I give them. So to me, it's like corporate matchmaking. Yeah. So it's about making a difference, believe in yourself. And as a young person, I used to always love this author named Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. And Maya Angelou, one of my favorite sayings was pick yourself up dust yourself off and move along because there's always tomorrow. And when you wake up in the morning, you could have two things to say to yourself. It's either why me or why not? Yeah. So I may start out with why me, but by the time I get the covers up, I'm like, why not? And you get up and you dust yourself off, you pick yourself up and you just keep going. Wow. That's great. That's great. A lot of that, uh, you know, is something that I think I can take away from after listening to you. So thank you for that. Um, now you're constantly, you know, I know you're constantly on the run, you're traveling, you're running a business, you're doing this, you're doing that this week. I think you mentioned you're going to three different places in the next seven days. Yes. Um, <laughs> what do you do or what's some advice that you can give to stay organized and to stay on top of it all? Well, I have an exceptional vice president who keeps me coordinated. <laughs> so to be honest with you, you rally some help, um, yeah. but use the tools that are provided to you. So before I had her, you use the tools, you know, whatever they may be, a planner, um, um, calendars. But beyond that, what I do in the evenings is I always, before I go to bed, I have this passion for Native American flute. So I will put on 30 minutes to an hour of just Native American flute music and I reset and I unwind and I reflect and I chillax. Wow. And that helps me to wind down from the day and to be able to start a new day fresh. But, but to, to answer your question, it's organization and, and utilizing your resources, whatever that is. It could be a person, it could be a book, it could be anything, but utilize your resources. You love that person, book, calendar. It's like check, check off for me because I mean, that's, that's what I need to, to, to keep it going. Um, now, uh, taking it a little bit of a, of a personal level here. I mean, you, you grew up with a, a rapidly growing career and also, uh, being a mom at it too. And then, you know, dealing with, uh, having and running your own business. Uh, a lot of this can be stemmed from your last answer, but how do you balance the two? What advice would you give to, you know, younger working mothers, who have the kids that are, you know, underneath the age of five that are really, really 
obsessed with mommy right now, but also looking to balance and thrive within their own career? Uh, well, it's not only for myself because I was a single mother, but I look at my children and especially my daughter who has two children. And again, it's about balance, but at balance to everybody is different. Mm -hmm. So it's about finding time to be with your children, to navigate their feelings, to be able to have play time, but yet also find mommy time. But there's good to have mommy and me time as well. So that could be quiet time. Unplug though get back to unplugging. Mm -hmm. If it's for an hour a day, I'm a big proponent of reading, mm -hmm. um, read to your children, but also again, it's balanced, you know, let them have some free time, but you also have to have free time for yourself as well. So mommy and me time, but mommy time as well. Yeah. Super important. It's, it's, it's very, I, I agree with that. I'm a proponent of it. Um, I've, I'm juggling how to stay on top of it all myself, but from seven to eight in the morning, I've created this new routine where it's me time. You know, I'm going out for a run. I'm reading a book. I don't have the kids. I don't have the work, but I'm re, uh, what did you say? I'm chillaxing along Chillax. the way. There Chillax. you go. There you go. <laughs> um, now I want to divert a little bit back to just some of the recruiting aspects of what you're doing. I mean, is there any feedback that you can give us? I, I'm seeing this pop up so much in terms of the life sciences industry, where do you think that's going? And, and um, you know, it's, it's just become explosive recently, but any feedback um, that you can give us? I sure can. Um, you're absolutely correct. Life sciences is, is the, it's the new wave of the future, um, especially on the cancer genomic side, the CGX, the uh, cancer testing through the DNA. Um, and the reason for that is a, uh, the research that's been going on in these organizations, the government's providing funds to, to accelerate that. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, a large population, our large population in the United States are um, baby boomers, of which I am. And a lot of these um, drug companies or these labs are also accepting now Medicare and Medicaid, which is huge. So uh, the government's working well with these industries and it is the wave of the future, but for the genomic testing aspect of it. And personally, I know um, I have family members that unfortunately was diagnosed with stage four um, lymphoma and through working with a lab that is a cancer pharmacogenomic lab, her doctor, Dana Farber, was able to work with the people at this lab to design specifically a drug for her. And fortunately, now she is in remission. So wow. I am a huge believer of this industry and it's only growing. Yeah, it gives me goosebumps. I mean, it's, uh, to know that you're part of this ecosystem. I mean, you're changing lives in every single facet of the way, whether that's a person's career or your friend and, and how the impact could be on finding the correct talent to place that. Um, any feedback that you can give us on just your general thoughts on navigating through the pandemic? I'm sure there were some doubts that you had staying in business as probably everyone did, um, but how you guys have hopefully rebounded from that. Yes, so I, I've heard a lot from people um, that I've interviewed and their resumes. Their biggest concern is that they were not working during maybe a year period of time or two year period of time. And how do we enter back into the workforce? Right. Teresa, I'm afraid to show that I didn't work for two years. My, my, my message to you is 
companies are understanding. You are not an anomaly. It's going across the board. Most organizations now are letting people work from home, so you can usually continue to do that. But I would not feel um, embarrassed or less than because maybe you were out of the workforce for a year or two, or you, were, you had to because you were single mother. You had, yeah. to, you had no choice. You had to take care of your children. But many companies now are working with individuals to better ascertain their home life and make it more productive for everybody. This is the truth. They, tr they truly are. Wow. Wow. Now you touched on something that I'm hoping that we can touch on before we wrap up today's call. But, um, you know, one of the things that I think is really a unique onset of that is, is something that you mentioned is, is the fact that now employees have the option to work remote. How can you keep within that the essence of a company's culture, knowing that you have a team in 18 parts of the country sparsed away working from home? Meaning an organization that has company uh, individuals, yeah. employees scattered across the globe. Um, technology. Yeah. <laughs> technology is huge. Right. <laughs> doing what we're doing just now, right? Exactly what we're doing right now. But be present. Mm -hmm. um, I actually feel that this COVID, pre-COVID, post-COVID, during COVID, because of the Zoom and the technology that's been available, you're actually having more one-on-one -on -one face calls, to believe it or not. I mean, yeah. you're seeing people um, and you're learning their expressions and sometimes you're even seeing into their living rooms or their homes. And, <laughs> and the cat in the background. And, yeah. <laughs> Or the child that runs underneath you or the dog that jumps up on you. Yes. But I believe that it's, again, about being authentic, being real, being present, and being responsible. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Absolutely. Technology is the enabler of all of this, right? It's transcending itself into the essence of what the future of work is. And, and it's here now. I mean, the future of work is what we're doing every single day when we're working from home. I think that's a huge element behind it all. Um, but Teresa, I, I just want to thank you for, for sitting with us and speaking with us. I truly hope that we have the opportunity to collaborate once again. Um, do you have any closing remarks before we wrap up today's call? And if you could also let us know how do we find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, that's what I was just going to say, actually, even without you asking that. I am, <laughs> I'm a people person. So if anyone listening is looking for advice or mentorship or just someone to pick up the phone and chat with or even email me, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I am on LinkedIn. It's Teresa Sloan, S-L-O-A-N. I'm sure that um, you will share some of that information. And we do have a website, it's sloanstaffingsolutions.com. And either myself or Lynn will respond to you, but we love to connect with people. We have people all over the world that we staff in France and India and China. We are all over the world. So we are open to networking. Oh, that's beautiful. And you guys, y'all have to get in connection with Teresa. She is just a wonderful individual. Um, and I selfishly will be you know, utilizing her resources as much as I can just to have a, a genuine conversation with, with you, Teresa, but thank you. And thank you to our listeners as well for tuning in to today's episode. Thank you, Angela. Bye. Bye-bye guys. We'll see you guys on the next episode of the Ivy podcast. 
Thank you for listening to the Ivy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our RSS feed on ivypodcast.com and all major podcasting platforms like Spotify and iTunes. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating on iTunes.